what we what I look for a couple things we do right away is is one is it's just big you know again to to that puzzle and to that placemaking is this a spot that I want to be and I look at it as is this a spot I want to be for the next thirty years mm-hmm. you know I'm I'm not I'm also you know Jeff and I my partner and I are, are long term holders okay. for the most part we you know we feel like we put our blood sweat and tears into these projects and and you know we try to place make and we're not, we're not going to do it for short-term profit. I mean, we'll, right. um, you know, that's not to say over the course of my career, I'm not going to sell a building. I mean, that's, you know, we have investors and other folks that, you know, we owe a fiduciary responsibility to, and we'll certainly take care of them when, when we need to in those, in those instances, but that's mm-hmm. just not, you know, I think that's not just big picture how we look at it. We look at it as like, you know, what is this somewhere we want to be for the next 30 years? Welcome to the Placemaking Podcast. Podcast. The show geared at helping real estate developers learn and understand important aspects of the development process while improving communities one at a time. Each week, we'll discuss major facets of the real estate development process with industry professionals. Now, here's your host, Matthew Lowe's. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 58 of the Placemaking Podcast. Can you believe it? 58 episodes. I want to thank you all for joining me today. Uh, This next conversation is one I've been looking forward to for a long time now. Today on the show, I have Sean Sweeney. He's the co-founder of Hall Sweeney Properties, which is an apartment developer that focuses on urban infill development. Currently, Sean focuses efforts in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Sean has an eye towards details and designs in his projects and focuses bringing great housing options for those in the Twin Cities. His projects have won several awards for design and thoughtfulness in and around the Twin Cities area. Sean is very active on Twitter and has been seen as an authority on the subject of urban infill multifamily development. He's well worth a follow if you're interested in the topic. Now in this episode, we look at how Sean started in real estate development, uh, his definition of placemaking, and how it can be created through great design, and the keys to success that he's found in urban infill multifamily development. There is tons of great information in this episode, and I greatly appreciate Sean for taking the time out of his busy schedule to discuss this topic of creating memorable urban infill multifamily with me here today. Now, as always, if you have enjoyed the show, I'd ask that you please subscribe to the show and share with those friends in the industry. There'll be more exciting conversations on the shows to come. Now, without further ado, let's start the show. Hey, welcome to the show, Sean. Hey, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Yeah, glad to have you on here. Uh, you know, I, I follow you on Twitter as as many of your followers do, and, and enjoy uh, all the discussion that that you bring up. and And you've got quite quite the following over the last couple of years. So uh, I'm really excited for this conversation because you're doing something that I envy, and it's it's something that I'm hoping to try to reproduce myself in the you know, initially a smaller scale, but work my way up. And so I, I can't wait to get into this conversation. First off, let's let's just get a little bit more about your background, uh, where you started out, and basically the genesis of sure. uh, Sean Sweeney. <laughs> no, no problem. Um, so my my career started um, in the early 2000s. Um, I, I graduated from college in 2000. Had a brief but uh, unsuccessful stint as an actor in Chicago for a couple of years. Um, I always tell people I, I have some great stories and I met some really famous, interesting people during that time. But uh, it, it wasn't a good long term uh, plan. I didn't want to be poor when I was 50 and live on people's couches and all that. Just wait, waiting for my big break. So right. uh, made, made a transition. Um, ended up my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, uh, had gotten into grad school in California. Um, I actually applied to law school as kind of, you know, typical liberal arts major, didn't know what the heck I wanted to do. It was like, oh, I'll go to law school. That, that's probably a smart move. 
Um, spent a, a few months in Chicago working at a law firm and quickly realized that would probably not be a good fit for me. Um, but my girlfriend had already planned to move and I, I wanted to come along. So I went for the ride. Uh, yeah. We ended up in, this, in the San Francisco Bay Area and I just I took some time. Um, I was working a sales job, but I, I, it was just kind of a placeholder while I tried to figure out, excuse me, what, you know, what I really wanted to do. And uh, I have an uncle who I, I talked to a bunch of different people in a bunch of different industries because I didn't I didn't grow up in a business household. I didn't grow up with, you know, that kind of talk around the dinner table. But uh, what, I, what I learned quickly was, you know, business is a, is a pretty great way to make a living. It's, it, you know, you can do all kinds of really interesting things. And at the end of the day, even though you don't learn this in college, most people end up in business in one way or another. Oh yeah, sure. Um, you know, which, which in hindsight, I think probably everyone should have to take a business course or two and, right. and, and in whatever, whatever, right? yep, whatever, <laughs> whatever level they, uh, they end up in probably sales also, because most of it, most of your career is, is business and sales, no matter what you do, I think. So, yeah. Um, but it, you know, as I was talking to people, I had an uncle who, uh, was was actually a developer at that time, and was was had converted an old prison into condos and apartments, and it just was uh, listening to him talk and hearing his passion for it and whatever. Mm-hmm. It just it kind of it kind of hooked me right away over the phone. I was like, man, that that's awesome. And I, I you know he described himself as the quarterback of the team. Yeah, you know, or the or the coach. He's like, look, I'm not I'm not even the best player. I'm just I'm the guy kind of moving everybody around compared it to like what a movie producer does, right? Like you, you know, you, you have the idea, you have the vision, but you have to find a director. You have to mm-hmm. go get actors. You gotta, you gotta have money. You know, there's all these, you know, you need a cinematographer, you need all these players um, that ultimately work together to determine the success or failure of a, of a movie. And, sure. you know, he kind of related that to real estate and it just, it really clicked for me. And I, I thought it was super cool. Um, I was, I'm old, I'm really old. So that was back in the day where you had to write, <laughs> You had to write cover, <laughs> you, you had to you had to write cover letters and uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know and, and print out resumes and send them on carrier pigeons and hope they ended up in the right uh, right place. But uh, you know nobody, of course, wanted to hire me because I had no experience. But I I ended up, long story short, talked my way into a receptionist job at Trammell Crow in San Francisco, and uh, sat at the front desk and made copies and made coffee and did anything they wanted me to do. Um, while guys my age came in who were lenders and, and, and analysts and other things. And I made right. them coffee and got them what they needed. But um, those guys gave me a shot to move up quickly. And um, I worked there for six years and it was a great fit. Um, learned a ton uh, and had hoped to stay there forever. Like really loved it. We loved living in California, but uh, like many, I, the, the great financial crisis came just as I was hitting 30 and getting married and, all of those things. And I, I tell people now, the good news is I wasn't further in my career where mm-hmm. it would have wiped, it would have wiped me out if I sure. had a bunch of, you know, deals, but I wasn't far enough along that I, you know, that I, I could wait it out for three or four years in an expensive market like San Francisco and then hope that it came back at some point. Right. So we, we made a transition to, to Minneapolis. We looked at some other cities and ended up here. My wife grew up here. I grew up in, in Madison, Wisconsin. So nearby, okay. um, and just fell in love with it here. Uh, love the city, love the area, love a lot of things about it. And took a took a job for a couple of years for a tax credit developer uh, when I first got here to kind of get here and just figure, you know, get, basically get here and get established and, and start moving. Sure. Uh, after a couple of years, I pivoted and took a, an acquisitions role at a, a fund here that has since grown into, you know, a $3 billion fund, but we were wow. uh, quite a bit smaller in, in 2011 when I joined. But I was responsible along with one other guy for basically going out and buying deals all over the country. Um, we bought, you know, 150 to 200 unit class B apartments in the suburbs, kind of all over the country. Gotcha. And garden style. Funny, yep. yep. Garden style. Funny thing is yep. now you read about those all being four and five caps. And I laugh because I remember thinking, God, this is a seven cap. Are we sure this isn't too risky? <laughs> um, which is, which yeah. is funny how, how time will, will change things, but sure. Um, I had been itching, you know, I, I missed, I, I really enjoyed working there. It was a great, great firm, um, really helped me get established and get on my feet and, you know, make some, frankly, make some money for the first time right. and give, give myself some more options. Um, I'd always been really passionate about design and I missed building and I kind of thought, okay, you know, is there a way to do this in this structure? And it, it, it just, you know, kind of wasn't the right fit for that long-term. Right. Um, I read acquisitions, you're saying? 
Yeah, in acquisition. Yeah, and, right. and the firm was wasn't really set up to do development at that time. Ironically, they do it now, but um, at that point, it wasn't you know it wasn't something they were doing. Um, I rehabbed a house uh, kind of on the side. Oh yeah. Um, as a project to see because I kind of thought you know that would be a great fit for what I wanted to do. And and I'll tell you, uh, the year I spent working on that. Um, I was, I remember, I, I realized I'm like, that was as hard as any project I built in San Francisco. Like that, you know, <laughs> and it, it, the, the light bulb kind of went off. I'm like, okay, you know, you could do this, but you're going to have to do 50 of them at a time, right. the whole team. And that, that wasn't my plan either. So um, I ended up just deciding um, through a lot of different things that happened at once. We, it was kind of one of those, doesn't make any sense on paper moves, but um, you know, my wife, uh, excuse, we just had our second kid. Um, my mom, unfortunately, who had been sick for a while, passed away and the Cubs won the world series all in like a 45 day stretch. Like I'm a lifelong Cubs fan. So that's it, was a, that's a it was a huge, it was a, yeah, it was yeah. a very crazy, like 45 to 60 day period in my life. And, um, you know, it hit me. I mean, my mom's death was tough, but it was also really eye opening where she, you know, she was only 75. Um, I was 38 at that time and, you know, I kind of did the math and I'm like, holy, you know, I'm halfway there. Yeah. I mean, and again, hopefully that, that I, you know, live longer than that, but that it, it was a, it was just one of those moments where you realize I got to do this or I'm going to wake up tomorrow and be 50 and still be asking myself the same question. Why didn't I do that? Why didn't I <laughs> do I that? So, yeah. Yep. So I plan, you know, I, I planned it out a little bit and, um, just decided to go. And mm-hmm. so in, in mid 2017, I left the company I was at after six, six years, six great years and started to look for apartment development deals myself. Uh, my goal, my goal was just to literally um, find a consult. Cause I, I had been making decent money at that point. My wife was, was, was is a psychologist, but was staying home uh, with our two little kids. And, right. you know, I, I realized quickly, like, any, any small amount of savings we have is, is going to get birthed through pretty quick. Pretty unless quick, we, yeah. Unless we change our life completely. And I had promised that that wasn't part of the plan. Um, and so I realized, you know, along with getting some deals going, I better figure out some consulting or I, I better do something to keep the mm-hmm. lights on. Um, and my goal was just to do, you know, do consulting for the first couple of years. And hopefully within those first couple of years, I would find uh, one apartment site that smaller mid-sized deal that maybe I could convince some people to do and, and see what, see what that, I mean, that was literally the business plan. Um, <laughs> the good, the good and bad news is, is that business plan failed miserably. Um, yeah. I, uh, it turns out I'm a much better developer than I am consultant. Okay. Um, and uh, what I, what I was able to do is, is I was able to find sites a lot quicker than I was able to find consulting gigs. Really? Um, so I ended up, uh, getting finding one site almost immediately uh got into it a little and then flipped it to another developer okay. uh to make some quick cash and then Did you entitle real, it or is it, uh, no was it, it just a I, straight it was flip. just <laughs> yep it was straight yeah. flip it was very it was very well located uh this particular developer had built four or five projects up and down the same corridor i knew it was the right size i mean it just it just was a great fit for him and i, I kind of yeah. realized that pretty quickly you know, called them and I, I already knew them, had a relationship with them. So okay. it was a, you know, it was a good move. Um, and, and what kind of dawned on me there, that was the, you know, 30, 40 unit apartment building site. Um, it occurred to me that those sites are all over town. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, I'm not, I, cause I was never going to be able to compete with guys looking for hundred unit deals or 200 unit. I mean, there's just no way. And I knew that, you know, doing duplexes or small, I mean, that was going to, you know, that's a whole different thing too. Um, so I found that there was this little niche right in the middle mm-hmm. and, you know, I, I'd love to say it was this grand plan that I had, but it was, it was really, you know, you get out there and you start turning over rocks and that's where you start to see the opportunities, right. right? It wasn't sitting at home, analyzing it on the spreadsheet. Like, what should I do? What should I do? It was like, well, I'm just going to go out and start looking for deals and see what happens. Um, yeah. but what ended up transpiring from that is, um, I got three sites under contract within the first six months of starting my own company. And convinced a couple of people, thankfully, to, to back me and, and, and off we went. Um, everything was going really well for a while. Um, ran into some, some trouble on the first one. There was a, a lawsuit and some other things in the, 
that we were dealing with, which which was tough. Delayed our, our start by a year. Uh, mm. Also delayed my my first paycheck for a year, oh. um, which was which at that point was was really tough. Um, but you know, after grinding through it for the first couple of years and putting a bunch of sites together, getting involved, I was really thankful. I had one partner. And I had another couple of guys I was working with who were awesome about like pulling me into a couple other deals because they needed some help. So it, it worked out really, really well for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but after, yeah, after, you know, three years, it, we had built four, five, four or five projects. And after four years, we built six and Jeez. I've got the seventh one under construction now and eight, nine and 10 in the pipeline. <laughs> so, it, awesome. uh, you know, so I, I totally failed on my goals, but yeah. I joked that I, yeah, I, I didn't, but I, you know, I'm, I'm so far, so much further ahead already than where I thought I would be. So that's awesome. it's, it's a, it's a win in my book at this point. Oh yeah, definitely. And, and we covered a lot right there. There was, there's a lot that happened. Can we, can we rewind a little bit back to your time at, at Trammell when you started out as a receptionist? Um, that's, that's just an amazing kind of little story, side story, yeah. because it's just a way to get in the door, right? You know, you're you're trying to find a job in real estate development just to understand what it was about. And you're able to get in at, you know, what others might scoff at, but turned out to a lot, be a, a lot did. <laughs> yeah, okay. A lot to, did. Yeah. To be a, a pretty good good plan for you. Uh, I'm sure you got a lot of like you said, you got a lot of slack for that. How did you kind of convince yourself to keep with it? Sure. No. So I, the deal, so the couple of things that were working in my favor, uh, one was this particular branch or this, this out, outfit of travel, um, was, a, it was a small group. There was only four people. So there was the two principals, a vice president and an office manager. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wasn't one of the things working to my advantage. I didn't have to leapfrog 50 people. Right. You know, I got into a small team, which was great. Um, so that really helped because I got to work with everybody. You know, it wasn't like I didn't meet the owner for 10 years, right? It was like, <laughs> you know, I was the second day I was helping them with stuff. So we were, we were, you know, they got to know me quick. And um, I actually lived about an hour and 10 minutes away from the office at that point while my wife was going to school. So I commuted an hour and 10 minutes each way. Uh-huh. Um, so they, they, I mean, they, they, they realized really quickly, I was either super dedicated or I was a complete idiot. <laughs> and, um, I think they kept me around to find out. Luckily, I think, it was, it, <laughs> luckily, I think yeah, luckily I think my, my passion showed pretty quickly, but I, yeah. I was also, you know, I was also vocal about my goals and what I was trying to achieve there by by saying, look, I'm not, you know, you guys know, I'm not here to be the receptionist. I'm willing to, I'm willing to do this. But my goal is to be sitting where you are and I want to learn from you and I will do anything and everything you want me to. And, you know, for the first year that meant making coffee and making copies, but um, they did being that it was a small firm. Uh, they gave me the opportunity, you know, a couple one of the, the VP came to me after about three months and was like, do you know how to, you know, he was just buried. He's like, do you know how to do Excel? And I said, sure. I, I had no idea what it was, but um yeah, I went home at night and kind of figured out what it was and how to do it. <laughs> started, you know, started quickly doing spreadsheets. And, and I just, I tried to make myself as invaluable as like, you know, I just, I became the IT guy. I became the reception. I mean, I was doing all these different things. And all right. of a sudden it was like, they need me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, as silly as that sounds, um, I was doing a ton of stuff. So uh, it, it was hard. I mean, it was one of those things. And it, it, it's kind of like when I started my own company, it didn't make any sense on paper. Yeah. But it was one of the times, I mean, it's interesting because it was one of those where my gut told me to do it. My gut said, if you get in here and this is the, you know, they're, they are, who, you know, they're who they say they are. You can endear yourself to them. You're going to hustle. Like this is going to, this could work out. Right. And, you know, cause of course all my friends at the time who I told, I was considering it, they were like, why would you ever do that? That's ridiculous. And, you know, I did it for very little. I did it for a reception, a salary too. Yeah. So in the Bay area, making $40,000 a year, I was, I was, you know, it was not, it's not like I was crushing it. Um, <laughs> I was barely paying my rent. Um, and, but the, the great piece of it was, you know, I trusted my gut and it worked out and it was that I got that same feeling when I went, when I was debating starting my own company. Right. Mm-hmm. And the, the beauty is I had tested that theory out three or four times in the past 
So I knew I knew that I could trust that and try yeah. something. So I, I took, you know, it was it was probably one of the smartest decisions I've made in hindsight to, to take that role because it changed the course of my career big time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's 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 fast forward now. You talked about having that same gut feeling, you know, when you started your company. What did that discussion look like with your wife? <laughs> I, just, I always love hearing uh, these stories. Yeah, no, it's it's good. I mean, I I will tell you, um, my wife doesn't like half baked plans. Um, my wife doesn't want it, especially when it comes to something like that. Yeah, and that, again, that is something we had been married. Let's see, eight, I don't know, somewhere between eight and eight or around eight years at that point, seven or eight years at that point, we had been, we dated for seven years before we got married. We, we'd known each other for a long time. Right. So I knew better. I knew better than to go to her with any half-baked idea <laughs> about here's what I'm thinking, you know? Yeah. So when I, when I approached her about it and, and she knew admittedly, I mean, um, you know, she knew that it wasn't maybe a great long-term fit where I was so that, you know, that piece wasn't a surprise. Yeah. Um, but I, I came to her when I had all the pieces in place. I didn't, I didn't come to her and say, here's what I'm thinking. Cause she would have been yeah. like, you're an, you're an idiot. No. Um, but I can't, hey, honey, I said, got this gut feel. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It was, <laughs> we need to, <laughs> I need to move on. I need to move yeah. on. That, that wouldn't work. And, you know, admittedly that would have been irresponsible. Right. I had, they, you know, she relied on me. I had two young daughters that, you know, that, I mean, wasn't my place just to go do something foolish. So I planned it out pretty well. I had a couple of consulting gigs lined up. Okay. Um, I had my eye on a couple sites and, and, you know, the other thing was I had done well enough at my last job that we had, you know, eight, it's funny. I will admit this. I, she asked me how much money, how, how long can we go before, before we'd be in trouble? And I told right. her a year, I told her a year, <laughs> the, rea- the, rea- the reality was about eight months, but you know, that, that was the one line. Splitting hairs. We, yeah. We, 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 yeah. We, we laugh about it now. Um, <laughs> but the other thing she told me was, and at first it was funny when I told her that I was going to do it. I said, honey, I think, I think it's time. I've got a plan in place. I think I'm going to quit. And she laughed and said, okay, that, that sounds good. And I said, no, 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 no. Like I'm going to go put my two weeks notice in next week. And she was like, oh, I thought you meant like five years from now. Like, what, <laughs> what? Yeah. So it, it was funny. Um, but I just said, look, here, here's the plan. Here's what I'm thinking you know, I've been itching to, to kind of move, you know, I'm not, I'm not happy here anymore. Um, and I said, and she said that, you know, that's fine. Let's, let's, let's give it a whirl. Um, but here's what I need you to do. And I said, sure. And she said, look, in three months, we have to have it some, some sort of check-in plan where, okay. yeah. you know, I, I understand. She's like, you've been doing real estate long enough. I understand you're not going to have an empire in three months. Like, I'm not, <laughs> you know, that's not, I get, I get that, but she's like, you gotta be making progress. And I'm like, that's, that's totally fair. So she's like, you know, after three months, let's sit down and see where you are. And if you're nowhere, you know, it's only been three months, let's give it three more months and then see where you are. And then after that, let's give it three, you know, basically, but the point was, let's not wait till we're down to our, if you've gotten no traction in in six months or nine months or a year, let's not wait till we're down to our last penny Mm-hmm. Um, before we, before you, you know, we, we think about what the other alternatives are. Yeah. And no, I thought, yeah, I, I was, I mean, I tell people this all the time. This is, you know, I get my, I get way more, I get an unfair share of credit for things that have gone on in the past few years for me and our family, yeah. but it's, you know, I'm, I'm responsible for maybe 50% of it. I mean, she's, you know, I wouldn't, there's no chance I'd be doing this without her. That's awesome. Um, and so, you know, the good news is I had a lot of traction right away. The bad news is um, it didn't pay for a long time. <laughs> so I would, so I kind of got us into this like pickle of like, I got really excited. Got and <laughs> Yep. Yep. And we got too much, we got too much going on now that I can't quit. I can't let it go. Right. But it's not going to pay us in the time frame we thought. So what do we, yeah, it, it yeah. was the whole thing, but we just buckled down and we, we made it. Um, yeah, it's been we've been we've been real fortunate. So <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's something I don't I don't talk about as much, but it's it's fun to hear people's stories, especially, you know, you really need if you're starting out after you've got a career, after you have a wife, after you have these yeah. you know, you get you get there's a that transition point is such a big inflection point to yeah. your trajectory. And you know, if 
if your partner's not on board, yeah, it could make for a, a tough time. So yeah, mm-hmm. no, that's that's great that there was that that discussion, the check-in points. Uh, it might help somebody else out that's trying to figure out how to break yeah. it to their special <laughs> special <laughs> someone. How, yeah. how can I mentally prepare them for this? Um, that's awesome. So let's uh, let's kind of fast forward a little bit more to you know your your first true projects that went vertical uh, mm-hmm. and then going forward what what is your ideal project look like what is your what is your typical product yeah it's you know it's funny because I would have given you a different answer every year <laughs> uh, we we my my partner Jeff and I we hired a, an associate a couple months ago and we were just telling her this story yesterday about how when, when I started, we, we kind of thought we were going to be these niche neighborhood, like 30 to 40 unit guys. And we were yeah. just going to run that. We were going to run that for 20 years. And that was going to be our, our deal. And um, we did three or four of those. And uh, then we got a little bit bigger. Mm-hmm. We did a 91 unit. And now we're doing 125 units. And we're wow. going to start a 200 unit in the spring. And we, I mean, it's just what we've just kept growing. Our, our, our deal size has grown um so we don't i mean it's funny we don't have a typical or uh we don't have kind of an ideal deal because it keeps mm-hmm. cha- it seems like it keeps changing every year um but we've been really i mean we started out we really wanted to do really well designed kind of neighborhood infill and we're still doing really well designed neighborhood infill um but i would tell you the scale of the projects is just growing mm-hmm. um and that that hasn't been as much i mean it's been somewhat of a, a you know driven by us, but we've been really, I mean, we've just been beyond fortunate in the sense that our early projects got a lot of press, just got a lot of notoriety and a lot mm-hmm. of, you know, eyeballs. And um, what happened quickly is, is just people, you know, we just had more opportunities than we could handle. You know, we, we were just really, really lucky that, you know, people kept coming to us with stuff and it just, you know, the stuff that people were bringing us got bigger and bigger. And as we were as we were able to show investors and other people that we've we've executed really successfully on the other stuff, you know, people were willing to back us on bigger and bigger stuff. And now, I mean, our last deal, we had to turn investors away. Mm-hmm. We had we had more we had more than we could handle. That's um, awesome. So, and that was on our largest deal ever. So, it you know it, it's been interesting. Um, but I, I think big picture for us. Um, and we are, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're ebbing and flowing with the market and, and the way things change sometimes, but um, I don't think we'll ever be suburban garden style builders. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're always going to be um, really well-designed kind of urban infill builders. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, I will admit that we are likely, you will likely see some suburban projects from us in the coming years, Okay. Um, but they're going to be urban suburban if that makes sense <laughs> you know i mean they're going to be yeah. on main they're going to be on main street in suburbia they're not going right. to be out in the corner uh, out in a cornfield if that makes sense yeah um you know they'll be they'll be those we're we look at our role i mean our i think our expertise and our specialty as developers is is we're not you know we're not going to do a big master plan community or a a large scale you know create a new community out in the middle of nowhere we really look at the existing infrastructure and the existing puzzle that's already there and we try to fill pieces in right mm-hmm. like we try to stick oh hey what's missing in this little area or this little puzzle and we that's what we do when you know when sites when when we get the opportunity with new sites or we get the opportunity to evaluate new sites we're not programmatic where we say okay this has to be a five over one building with 140 mm-hmm. to 142 units and this much more i mean we really do holistically look at each site and we think about it for a lot. I mean, we drive people nuts who we're trying to buy from because they're like, well, what's your number? What's your number? Like, we we got to think about this. It's just got to feel know. right, right? Yeah, it's got to feel right. So yeah. we'll, you know, we'll, we'll take our time and, um, you know, and, and, and honestly, I, I kid about that some of most times we'll, you know, we'll, we'll quickly figure out about what can be built and then we'll put it under contract and then we'll do some more of the deep thinking. But, right. you know, we'll, we'll spend a long time really just, driving around the neighborhood, walking around the neighborhood, going to have, you know, we spend a lot of time on foot in the neighborhoods yeah. to try to understand the vibe and to try to really think about what's missing here and what, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, we're, you know, we're housing developers, so we know it's going to be some form of housing, but 
you know, are they missing big luxury units for seniors? Are they missing small micro units for millennials? Like what, what really needs to be here? Mm-hmm. What are the exterior materials? I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that we, sure. we really think through for a long time uh, before we do anything. Yeah. Is there, just curious, is there certain neighborhoods that you, uh, you know, you frequent? Is that, is that how that works? You have kind of your areas or is it, zip codes or neighborhoods it's, or, yeah. yeah i mean so far it's been um it's just been the city of minneapolis okay um in in certain neighborhoods we i mean we do know that's that's been i would say you know one of our advantages is is we we just know i mean i you can tell me an address in minneapolis and i can pretty much tell you what it's zoned what's missing in that name i mean we've just really really studied the city really well so we know okay. it you know we know it like the back of our hand um we can you know, we're, we're looking for established neighborhoods typically where, again, we're, we're, you know, we feel like that's a really big risk mitigation strategy sure. where there's already existing infrastructure that can be transit, that can be parks, that can be restaurants and retail. It's already a desirable place to live to some degree for, you know, for various reasons. Mm-hmm. And then we're, we're putting a piece of a, a new piece of the puzzle in that existing neighborhood typically. So we've done, you know, six projects around the city it's literally been two in one neighborhood, two in another neighborhood, two okay. in another neighborhood. So, um, you know, but they all share similar, similar characteristics. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. So Minneapolis is your sandbox, but you know, yep. you drill and down. Expa- and- yep. And we are expanding it a little bit. As I said, we're, you know, we're, we're starting to inch out into to some other areas um, and, you know, over the next several years, depending, depending on how things go, you, yeah, you may see us popping up in more places than you'd expect, but we'll see. Yeah, cool. And, and you you mentioned you like to just find what what fits in a certain area, but obviously you've got your 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 typical. I mean, it's residential. Your size can vary, but you know, I think a lot of that comes down to. I like to throw around the uh, the word placemaking mm-hmm. as, as trying to 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 kind of create a a place that just feels right and i always like to hear what other people think about the term placemaking and it's kind of been kind of a a buzzword recently over the last few years but you know and it has a bunch of uh, meanings to different people but in your own words uh how would you describe placemaking placemaking that's a I, I am a fan of the term. I like the term because that that's, uh, I think that's how I think about development. Um, I, I see it as a big responsibility. I think that, um, and, and this is certainly not a knock on anybody else in any, any way, shape or form. I think you, most developers fall into one or two buckets. And one, one of them is kind of the programmatic, we, we've got a plan and we're just gonna go put that plan where it makes sense, which, you know, is it, it works really, really well, and mm-hmm. is usually financially pretty uh, rewarding. And um, a lot of a lot of folks do that. And I, I think there's another bucket of developers who who think of it probably more like I do, where each site is more unique. Um, you know, we're not as programmatic with what we're building, um, and it's really about what what's missing, what what should be there. How do we? I mean, the thing that always goes through my head when I'm I'm putting a new project together is how is this going to make life better in this area? You know, what is this going to do to improve? I think that's ultimately for me, what placemaking is about is improvement. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is, is making it, you know, is, is hopefully making the quality of life for everyone that interacts with the building that lives by the building that, that now has the building there um, better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and there's not really a, a good tangible way to create it. Honestly, other than, um, you know, you guys are, are very, very into design and, and creating these that are not just not just an apartment building or, or a, a residential multifamily site. It is uh, truly, truly enhances visually, aesthetically the area, too. I guess we'll step back here. What does your initial workflow look like when you looking at a piece of property or uh, walking by a certain piece and, and jumps out of you, what, what, what's the next step kind of? Sure. Um, 
Well, we're, we're in a, a nice position now, I think, given some of the, the, you know, good solid luck we've had over the past few years where most of the new sites I'm evaluating now are somebody's bringing it to my attention. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember, as I, as I said, when I quit my job, I was pounding the pavement like you've never seen before. I was knocking on doors. I was calling people. I was looking up addresses. You know, I was, I, I mean, cause I was nobody I mean, yeah. to the market. Right. And um, I had to, I had to straight, straight scrap and claw and find deals. Um, you know, not that it's fair that it, it's changed, but now, you know, it's, it's really nice to be able to answer the phone and, and evaluate, hmm, do I want to spend time looking at this one or don't I? Right. Um, that, that may change, you know, the market could change and that may go away and I might go back to knocking on doors. Um, <laughs> but what, what we, what I look for a couple of things we do right away is, is one is, it's just big, you know, again, to, to that puzzle and to that placemaking, is this a spot that I want to be? And I look at it as, is this a spot I want to be for the next 30 years? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm also, you know, Jeff and I, my partner and I are, are long-term holders okay. for the most part. We you know, we feel like we put our blood, sweat and tears into these projects and, and, you know, we try to place make and we're not, we're not going to do it for short-term profit. I mean, we'll, um, you know, that's not to say over the course of my career, I'm not going to sell a building. I mean, that's, you know, we have investors and other folks that, you know, we owe a fiduciary responsibility to, and we'll certainly take care of them when, when we need to in those, in those instances, but that's Mm -hmm. just not, you know, I think that's not just big picture how we look at it. We look at it as like, you know, what, is this somewhere we want to be for the next 30 years? Mm-hmm. Um, and if, if it is, I mean, and that's, that's a pretty quick, right. You know, your market. Well, you, you know, that pretty quick, that doesn't take a lot of brain power. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's, it's, you know, usually a couple of things. Um, I'll do kind of a quick check on the zoning. I'll, I'll just check a couple, you know, a couple of the low hanging, right. Like, yeah. can I, can I even build apartments here? Can I do, you know, some of that. And usually in a few minutes, you can quickly determine if it's even worth spending more time on. Um, hopefully I've got at least some sort of price given to me or some ballpark of like, you know, price. And, and I've, I've done enough projects now that based on the square foot, if it's in Minneapolis or, or somewhere nearby, based on the square footage of the site, I can get relatively close in my head on, on how many units can be there. Mm-hmm. And I can, you know, so I, I can kind of ballpark a price pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, if, if, if I think it's 2 million and they're asking nine, I'm, I'm not going to spend more, another, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to spend any more time on it, but you know, if, if they're either like, look, we don't know, you tell us what the price is, or they give me some ballpark that per unit or per square foot that seems, you know, with at least reasonable, I'll, I'll take the next step. That's usually getting in touch with my architect and saying, you know, look, confidentially, we've got, you know, this site X, Y, and Z is on the table. Can you, can you spend half an hour and just do a quick fit plan and let us know what you think can fit there? And here, here's, and I always, they, he'll, his first question to me is always, well, what's the vision? What, what do you think goes there? And I have to, you know, so we'll talk through that a little bit as to who I think would live there and why. And, and that kind of helps them think through how to structure it, how much really? parking, do you, you know, how much parking do you need, all that kind okay. of stuff. Um, is there and a, he can, oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Uh, just curious, in Minneapolis, is there parking minimums or is it? There used to be. Um, they've since gone away, okay. um, which is great. Although, I, which I will tell you is amazing from a flexibility standpoint. Right. Um, everybody comes in from out of town now and thinks they can build projects without parking. Um, the funny thing is the market hasn't caught up to that yet. Honestly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're not a city. Um, unfortunately, we're not a city yet. I guess the best way to say it is where you can live here and, and use transit pretty reliably mm-hmm. um, and efficiently. I mean, it, it's great and it's growing every year and we're making changes. And, I, you know, I, I, I'm hopeful that in the not too distant future that you could live here with a family without a car. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm sure somebody will write in and say, hey, I live there without a car. But <laughs> I'm, ta- I'm, right. I'm talking in broad generalities. Sure. I mean, and, you know, most people with families have cars. Um, right. in, even in these apartments, you know, unless you work near, right nearby, you either need a light rail or a bus or a car to get somewhere. If you're, you know, if you have a partner maybe and one of you works in one suburb and the other works, I mean, so we're trying to build, um, I guess the way I would say it is, we're trying to build the least amount of parking possible <laughs> right that we that we think will still work for the deal and for the for the tenant base right. so that's right now in most of our projects that's somewhere around 60 to 65 percent i would say okay so we're a lot less than one to one which is great yeah. 
um, in, in most cases. Again, it, it's very project specific, obviously, but um, you know, in some suburban deals, you have to be one to one bedroom. So right. it just it, it just kind of depends. Right. Um, but once the architect, you know, the architect will take a couple a day or two, can usually get back to me pretty quick with something. Um, I will often call my general contractor then and just double check, like, hey, I'm looking at this deal. It's 150 units in this location. Here's our parking situation. Here's this, here's that. Am I am I right? Is it right about 150 a door or what am I close? Um, mm-hmm. the good news is I've gotten pretty good now, or you know, usually he's just confirming what I assume. Yeah. But construction costs have also moved a lot in the last seven months. Oh, yeah. So I feel far less confident now doing it than maybe I did a year ago. Um, but I've got a great relationship with my architect and a great relationship with my builder. And, and they know if, if it goes through, they're going to get the deal and we're going to work together. So they, they help me quickly put some pieces together. So, you know, that whole process, depending on their availability, can take a day or two. So mm-hmm. I feel like within a couple of days, I know about how many units I can build there and about how much it's going to cost me. And then I can make, you know, a much more informed offer to somebody. Okay. Um, and then it's usually, yeah, then it's, it's make an offer and uh, hopefully it goes, we'll see, you know, see what happens. Um, and we try to, and I, I've talked about this on Twitter a little bit and some people think I'm nuts and some don't, but um, you know, I always, I always try, I don't want to own land unless I'm going to build on it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so in a lot of instances, I try to buy land or, or get land under contract with a long enough due diligence period and a long enough closing period in which I can um, get project approval at a minimum, hopefully get at least project approvals before I'm closing on the land. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I mean, in a perfect world, wait till construction, you know, wait, wait till I'm closing my construction loan and start the next day. I, I did that on my last deal. It doesn't happen every time, but yeah. uh, it's a nice feeling when you buy a piece of dirt and then uh, literally there's, you know, there's, there's backhoes on the ground the next day. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. awesome. So yeah, it works. It works sometimes. It doesn't work every time. So I was, yeah, I was about to ask you: Is uh, do you do you like to buy unentitled land, or is it has it been back? I do. Forth? Yeah, I I actually so in a perfect world, I'm buying land that's already zoned for multifamily. Okay. Um, but not necess- but not entitled. If that makes sense, like okay, you know, entitled site is plan you have, and, you have, yeah, yeah, you have an approved site plan. I frankly never want to buy an approved site plan. I want to make my own site plan. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, uh, so, and, and that's a great question because I think, it, you know, some of the programmatic builders, um, that's a perfect deal for them. Right. Yeah. We already got this thing approved. You just got to step in and build it. You get the developer fee, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but for me, I think, and especially as our, our company is growing and, you know, I would say our, our brand is growing a little bit as well. Um, we have a certain aesthetic that I think we've become, we've become known for. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to create that from day one. I don't, at least I haven't seen a plan yet where I would feel comfortable buying it. Maybe, right. that, maybe that'll come, but yeah, um, I, I want to do the plan myself. Okay. Um, and let's go back a little bit. And you're having these discussions with your, your architect that early about the, the feel, the unit mix and everything yep. from the start. Really? I mean, okay. and we're, we're, uh, you know, that, that it's, it's obviously refined in great detail as you go and it, right. it can change. But I, I would tell you, we, it's part of knowing your market really well and knowing where you're building really well is now that we've done six, seven of the, like we know, I mean, it, mm-hmm. I know that sounds silly, but like we know that soon, probably who's going to live there. Mm-hmm. And it helps us keep that in mind from day one, which I think us, I think helps us design the project in a way that we always have our ideal tenant in mind. Okay. And that ideal tenant just changes with the, the neighborhood essentially. Yep. I mean, for the most part, we've built a lot of uh, what are called micro units. We, mm-hmm. We've built smaller units, kind of somebody's first or second apartment gotcha. um, in, in these established neighborhoods. So we, we try to be not, not the low cost provider in a neighborhood, but we try to come in just slightly under where like a top of the market luxury class A building comes in. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as rents and stuff like that, we we like to be the cheaper alternative, or the I should say the less expensive alternative. Right. Call it right. Cheap. And and our basically our 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 pitch is this building is just as nice. It's probably possibly aesthetically more appealing. The floor plans are just as good, if not better. Maybe we don't have seventy four amenities. We have twenty three. But yeah. 
um, you know, your, your unit is slightly smaller, but super well designed and we don't waste a single inch and your rent is $200 cheaper than their rent. You know? And you're in a, in a great place, right? So, in a great place. So we've had um, a lot of success with that so far. Okay. Let's, let's kind of build on this discussion with the architect. Business journals started picking up what you're putting down, basically. Yeah. <laughs> how did that first discussion, maybe with, your, with your, your first building, how did you start to formulate that kind of your ideal layout, your design? You said you yep. kind of built almost a brand around the type of design that you did. So like, what did that first um, deal look like? And how did you, how did that, I guess, those discussions look? Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting. And, and it's hard for me to say this without probably sounding like a weirdo. Um, I've been obsessed with buildings ever since I can remember. And I mean, I, my wife always used to tell stories when we lived in San Francisco, we'd have friends come into town and they'd be like, all right, where's the bar and let's, what's, where's this and where's that? And I'd always, we'd always be walking, you know, and we were in our mid to late twenties, we'd walk it around and I always be like, oh, hey, let's go this way real quick. Cause six blocks away is this sweet house that you have to see because the <laughs> awnings are just like, and people are like, what? And, and it, it dawned on me pretty quickly that like, I seem to care about this a lot more than um, yeah. And, you know, I, I, it's funny, as my career has evolved, I thought back to even when I was in high school and whatever, and, and, and I used to just drive around and look at houses for fun. And I never, like, it never dawned on me that that was, like, weird. Or... You know what I mean? Yeah, it just <laughs> yeah. Was like, doesn't everybody do that? <laughs> um, right. And, you know, as I got a little bit older and, and spent more time, obviously, in the industry, I realized, huh, that's, that's interesting. That, that is a little bit different. And I always used to tell my wife, Life that I don't know if I'm in the right industry because I, nobody else seems to care about it. Not care. That's I don't mean to say that. Nobody else seems to be as passionate about this piece as me. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm like, maybe I'm missing something here. Maybe I'm, you know, whatever. And she said to me one day, and here here goes credit to you know her being smarter than me. You know, she said, "Did you ever stop to think that maybe that's your advantage?" And I was like, oh. Thank you. Um, And so when I went in, I mean, I'll tell you this, when I went into my first building, you know, the architect didn't know me from, I mean, I was, I was literally nobody. I mean, nobody knew me. Nobody knew if I had any ideas of what what to do. The architect kind of took a chance on because, you know, they were like, I don't know. I I seem okay. Like the site's good. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, And I showed up to the first design meeting with 10 pictures and they were looking at me like, well, what? And I said, I want it to look like this. Here are, <laughs> here are 10 inspiration images that I want you to think about when you design this building. Yeah. And I had been collecting those for 20 years. Right. And they looked at me like I was nuts. I, as you, I mean, they were kind of like, this is awesome. Or this like, again, there you go me. Right. Like this is either going to work out really well or this is gonna <laughs> yeah. really, this is going to be the worst client we've ever had. Um, and, and I said, look, I, I just, I, I have an idea of what I want this to look like. I think it, it should be super modern. I think it should have windows like this. And they said, help us, help us think through it a little bit more. So I took out a piece of paper and I literally drew it out. And I'm like, here, this is what it should look like. And it, I don't say this to toot my own horn. It's basically what it turned out to look like. Um, you still have that sketch? I do somewhere, yeah. yeah. Um, I have to, I'll have to dig it up. Um, yeah. But, but I, um, I, I have a, I just have a clear picture in my mind of what I, what, is, what I want them to look like. I don't, I don't know how to explain it outside of that. Um, but I have been really, really fortunate that, you know, the, the architects that I worked with on that first deal really, they just kind of, um, they accept, they just kind of let me go with it. They kind of just said, fine, we're going to just see what happens here with this guy. And now you know, now that we have done some really great projects together, um, we, you know, we had a meeting yesterday at their office and we literally looked at bricks for an hour and just thought, oh, we just sat there and talked about bricks for an hour. And hey, bricks are, it's a hot topic right which now. Yeah. It is, which, you know, normally is a waste of everybody's time. It's a waste of their time for sure. But it's now part of our process. Like they, they, they indulge, you know, they, they're like, look, the longer we spend thinking about this, the better they seem to turn out. So 
let's let's keep doing it together. Um, but the first one, yeah, it was. I mean, and I'll tell you, Matt, on the first one, I didn't think anybody would care. I I was building it for myself and my wife to say I tried it once, just one time. I'm building my own vision, just mm-hmm. once, right? And we're just gonna do it once. The rest of them, I'll if this doesn't go well, fine. I'll build boxes. I don't care. Let's just go. Um, I did one, and it, it just, you know, I mean, it got nominated for Project of the Year. It was one of the top 50 projects in Minnesota. We won every design award that there was. Like, it just was, it, it just was goofy. I mean, it was like, <laughs> and not, not in a million years did we expect any of that. Um, but so, it was awesome. You know, it was awesome. Yeah. I mean, it was admittedly, like, for my first project to do that. I was like, great. And, you know, great too. At least up in a month. If it was full, 100% full, 40 days after we opened. Jeez. I mean, in a, in a market where, um, you know, we had the George Floyd tragedy a mile away mm-hmm. and it was COVID and, 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 and. I mean, yeah. it just, you know, but it, I will tell you, it, um, it really convinced. I mean, it was kind of like, okay, the market agreed. Like th- there was some real, um, I'm blanking on the word, but you know, it really validated what right. we were thinking. Right. You know, the market also validated our idea. Right. Yeah. And <laughs> so humble. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to obviously the market will uh, celebrate people that are are willing to take a chance and put a little more attention. I mean, that's why people love older buildings. You know, it's yep. the yep. the attention to detail. Um, the craftsmanship and, and like you said it's it's not guaranteed anymore so um to be able to put that little extra touch uh, you know the people yeah. people people notice so no, i appreciate that and i i said to somebody i've said this a couple of times one of my goals when i started aa the first project was okay this is just for me i just want to see what happens um but after that I said, okay, you know, I want to create, I want to place make and create projects that somebody will drive by and stop and get out of their car or drive by and say, well, what was that? And <laughs> on the, uh, on this project, this first project they did, I had somebody do that. A guy I knew drove by and pulled over because he was so struck by it, took pictures of it. And after 10 minutes, this is a guy I know really well didn't realize it was my project and then saw the sign and was like, Oh my God, they called me and was like, <laughs> I can't believe what I'm about to just tell you. He's like, you remember your goal about having a project that somebody would pull over and look at? He goes, I literally just pulled over because I just saw this amazing project and I didn't realize it was yours until just two minutes ago. And he called me and he sent me all these pictures and it was just like, you know, that's just so I mean, cool. That's what I do it for. I mean, I, I want, you know, I'm, I'm a for-profit developer. Our company is, is, is built to make money. We have investors. We take very good care of them. You know, we're really disciplined. We, we make really solid returns for everybody. Um, but for us too, that, you know, we think design leads to better results on the, on the, you know, the operating statement also. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. we stay full, you know, we, we, as soon as we have any turnover, it's full in a week. You know, we've, we've been really fortunate on that front. That's awesome. So kind of moving forward, you know, there's a lot of myths that get thrown around about real estate and real estate development. Um, is there a common myth that you've heard? <laughs> and I'm sure they've yeah. happened on, on Twitter all the time, but <laughs> about starting out in, uh, in real estate development, uh, what was your res- um, response? That's a good question. Um, you know, it, I think there's, a, I mean, I think there's a lot of them. I, I did say, I remember saying this on Twitter recently. I do think how the housing market is perceived to work versus how it actually works. I'm not sure there's a larger disconnect in any other, in any other industry. Yeah. Everybody, because they live in an apartment or own a home, pretty much thinks they understand the real estate market and the development right. market and how things work. Um I think that's um, I think that's probably one of the biggest ones. I, I would also say that 
um, and I am sure I'm completely biased by this, but but that a lot of developers actually get a bad rap going in, mm-hmm. and more times than not, and maybe it's just been I the people I've been exposed to over the last twenty years. I've met very few developers who I don't think are out for the greater good to to build good projects, to do good work, to help neighborhoods. You know, I, I don't really. I, I mean, there's a few for sure, but there, those mm-hmm. you know that that exists in every industry, right? I mean. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a couple of snake oil salesmen everywhere, but I, I think the fact that like we go into neighborhood meetings perceived as the enemy before we right. even introduced ourselves or said hello, um, you know, is, is tough because that's, that's, you know, not certainly not myself, my partner, Jeff, anybody that works for us. It's not most of the people I know who develop buildings. Right. So right. it's not, and you know, it's not that we all print money all day, every day either. It's, <laughs> You know, it's a lot of really hard work and you know this well, a lot of decision-making, a lot of risk-taking and sometimes it works out really, really well. Right. Sometimes through, uh, frankly, stuff out of your control sometimes. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it doesn't go as well. I mean, thankfully, and I, I've been really fortunate, my, my partner Jeff and, and frankly, a lot of people I know have been really fortunate in the sense that like, we've never had one bust on us, which has been great. Um, we've certainly had some that we thought were going to be a home run that maybe were a single or a double and yeah. but vice versa. Right. I mean, you just don't know. And, yeah. you know, to think that developers just show up, throw up some wood and steel and a roof and, you know, at least two, two days later, it's leased out and you get $50 million. I mean, it's, it's, you know, nothing could be further from the truth. Right. I'd say the lay person doesn't often realize that, you know, before they ever see, uh, you know, a, a pretty picture at, at the meeting, at the planning commission, at the city council, you know, there's been at least a year that's put into that. Yeah. Know, six oh, months to a year. Yeah. yeah. At least. And uh, it's, it's tough to, uh, to, to relay that message when, you know, all you're seeing is the, the pretty picture up there and somebody standing up there um, giving the spiel. So yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know, like you said, a lot's gone, gone well for you, but obviously this is a, a risky, risky business still. So <laughs> what, what keeps you up at, at night right now? Is there certain things that just. Yeah, it's a good, uh, it's a good, I, I'm having a temporary um, good period of sleep. Well, I I said to someone the other day, you know, when I started the business in 2017 through when I broke ground on my first project in mid 2019, Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't sleep well for two years. I worked around the clock almost seven days a week for two, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I mean, and again, if my wife hadn't been my wife and hadn't been accepting and supporting and said, yep, dad's going to miss dinner again tonight, or dad's going to, you know, I mean, a lot, I was pretty good about like taking my kids to school or being, being active and then like working my butt off all day and then being there for dinner and helping with bedtime. And then I would work for four or five more hours after, you know, my kids were younger at that point, they go to bed by seven, seven 30, you know, I'd stay up till midnight or one working and then sleep poorly until five or six (laughs) and go at it again. Yeah. Um, so I, I joke that I am in a temporary, they're older. We we've been able to take a little bit of a deep breath. So I, I am sleeping a little better, but Good. you know, I, I think what, what does, you know, what I, what I'm always thinking about or, or worried about is, you know, nothing ever stays static. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we, I consider myself, honestly, man, one of the luckiest people ever. Like, I, I mean, what's happened to me in the past couple of years, I just, I never could have ever dreamed of it. And I'm, I'm so grateful and so fortunate for it. I'm trying to, I'm trying to enjoy it. Also, I'm not, I'm not that good at that. My always reminds me like I'm trying to do a better job of enjoying it Mm -hmm. because, you know, with things not being, something's going to change. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, it it doesn't mean everything's going to fall apart, but it means, you know, there, there will be some new obstacle or some new, you know, law change or mm-hmm. you know you've, you've seen some stuff here locally um you know i mean the world doesn't stay the same and and while i don't i don't feel fearful of the future um it'd be nice to ride out this kind of nice period a little longer but i'm sure that's you know 
um, but that's that's what you know that's what I think about or when I get anxious or when I don't sleep is what's what's the next left turn coming and how am I going to pivot and how am I going to make sure um, you know we keep we keep our team paid and we keep everything going and um, you know we'll we'll figure it out but um, yeah. You know, that's kind of what I, where, where it is now. If you, yeah. Probably a very, very different answer if you had asked me 24 or 36 months ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it changes most yeah, weeks. All the time. Yeah. Yep, it does. It does. That's, you know, the funny thing about being on your own or, or being an entrepreneur and, and owning a company, especially in an industry like this, is, you know, there, there are days now where I've had bigger wins. Like, I've had good things happen that, like, would have been the best thing that would have been a five-year win for me. You know what I mean? <laughs> A yeah. while back, or and similarly, a loss. Yeah, like something goes wrong, some seller pushes back, somebody tries to reach. I mean, it's just stuff that you know you find out. Oh, there's a half million dollars in environmental damage on this site that you've just spent six months working on and spent a hundred grand on. Great, you know, stuff like that, that. That that six years ago you would have crawled into a hole and said, <laughs> "Oh my god, what am I gonna?" Right. And now it's like that stuff happens every single day. Yeah, you know, tolerance changes. Yeah. Ray, rarely does a day go by where like something doesn't whack me over the side of the head, you know, sometimes they're great and sometimes they're terrible, but it, it's, it's interesting that I, I think that's been one of the biggest um, changes is your tolerance changes. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's, you, you learned that you learn to realize, and I'm, I'm really fortunate. My, my business partner, Jeff, I joke has probably the lowest blood pressure of anybody I've ever met. So like he, <laughs> He is absolutely unrattleable and unshakable. Ice. And I'll, I'll call him like, oh my God, this is easy. It's fine. We'll figure it out. Don't worry. Yeah. That's <laughs> um, awesome. Which is, which is a good balance for me some days, but um, yeah. yeah, we'll see. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I guess looking forward here, uh, my last question here is uh, looking forward, you know, 100, 200 years, um, you know, we, we look on, Type your name in Google, the old Google search engine. I'm sure, it'll be around. Um, yeah, we'll be in the metaverse then. Right, right, right. It won't, it won't even matter. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, you know, whatever it is, uh, what, whatever uh, you know, knowledge yeah. base we have at that time. Sure. What, uh, what would you like it to say for for the legacy of you, Sean, and, and your company? You know, I think that um, I don't even know if it'll come up <laughs> in a hundred years. I mean, I'm building housing. I'm not saving lives here. Um, but, you know, I, I would hope that if, if, if we leave any sort of legacy or, you know, I mean, I, I kind of feel like I've been really lucky with some of the, um, you know, I don't know if attention is the right word we've gotten or whatever, but uh, you know, the, the people have kind of looked, look up to me a little bit, or I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm you know, I, I feel like maybe, especially on Twitter, I, I've become somewhat of an example for people to, to look at. And I, I take that responsibility really seriously. And I'm, I'm really grateful for that. And I think that I hope that, you know, whether it's in a hundred years or whether it's just now as, as we operate in the world that, people look at us as, as people trying to do it right. People trying to be conscientious, people trying to be kind, people trying to be giving back. And, um, obviously, you know, be cool if people thought our buildings were cool, but that's okay. I'm all right with that. I think we, I think we know they're okay. So we'll be all right there. But, um, you know, I just, you know, I talk about, um, you know, I, I try to be somebody that talks about my challenges too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've talked on Twitter about therapy and about how that really changed my life and really, frankly, saved my life. Um, so I, I think for me, it would just be if people ever think about me in 100 years that I was, I was somebody that, that, you know, tried to do, do right by the world and tried to do good work and um, hopefully was, was open and, and um, um, oh, can't think of the word, open and not transparent, but I was vulnerable enough to mm-hmm. talk about all the stuff. And my hope is that by doing that, by being that kind of person, you know, there's people out there that might say, Oh, that guy went to therapy. Huh? Maybe I, you know, maybe I should try it. Or right. that guy did that. Huh? Maybe, maybe if Sean can do it, I should try it. Or, yeah. huh, you know, to be, as I become more successful, to still be an example for people of like, 
here's, here's what you, you know, here are, here are scary things that I do too. And mm-hmm. challenges that I have to. Yeah, I think that's something along those lines. <laughs> that was not that was not very eloquently. <laughs> that was said, but that's that's what I mean. Yeah, that's a long eulogy, but yeah, no. I, yeah, I I yeah. <laughs> well, well, if you've learned anything about me, it's that I'm not uh, that I'm not, I'm long-winded. So <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. Uh, I I really do appreciate your time, Sean. I want to give you a few minutes here or a few seconds here uh, to to give us a little bit more about where we can find out a little bit more about what you guys are doing there and uh, more about you. Sure. Sure. Well, um, as we met on Twitter and I, I seem to have met a lot of people, that's probably the, the best way to find me. Um, it's just Sean and then middle initial D and my last name Sweeney. Pretty simple. Um, yeah. We are, um, we're building a Hall Sweeney website. We've been doing it for a while. <laughs> uh, we didn't, we didn't know we needed one, frankly, for a while. Um, yeah. But that's, that'll be in the work soon. And, um, you know, you can probably Google us and look it up, look us up in Minneapolis and you'll, you'll find us. Um, Perfect. We're around, but uh, yeah, I appreciate this so much. Thanks for taking the time to, to chat with me and, and ask me some great questions. Awesome. Thanks, Sean. We'll keep in touch. All right. Thanks. Appreciate it.